for your Saturday morning coffee with Reese Boyd. So Reese Boyd is on right now. Talk 94.5. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. It's 7.08 on your Saturday morning, Saturday, April the 30th. Wow, April is over. Thanks for uh, joining us here on this edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. I am, of course, Reese Boyd, local attorney here in town with the firm of Davis and Boyd, Attorneys at Law. I'm your host, as always, for Saturday Morning Coffee, or as almost always, welcome to the big show at Saturday Morning Coffee. We invite you to sit down, pour yourself a cup of your favorite coffee. Join us as we talk about the news, current events, all the things happening in this crazy, broken world that we live in, all the things that we think you need to know. Here at Saturday Morning Coffee, we're all about a few very important things. Limited government, lower taxes, all the things that mean more freedom, more freedom for you, more freedom for me, more freedom for all of us who are we the people. We've got a country to save. Folks, it starts right here in this studio, right here, wherever you are sitting, listening to the words of my voice. Joined in the studio this morning, as always, by slightly under the weather, but still producer extraordinaire. Freedom for everybody. Freedom, man. What is so hard? What is so hard to get? I mean, (laughs) what is so hard? I I see those pictures and those horrific videos, Glenn, in China, Shanghai, Beijing. And I think to myself, you know, it doesn't really matter. We have a wonderful tradition of freedom in this Mm, country. Yes, we do. Um, But it doesn't really matter where you are born, where you are raised. Freedom is a gift of God. It is hardwired into our DNA. This desire to be free is not something that, you know, we just cultivate as Americans. I mean, it's hardwired into us, I believe. And you see these people, have you fought, I mean, have you seen the crazy videos coming out of China? They're actually, um, you know, they're taking these uh, industrial containers, like shipping containers, mm-hmm. and welding them around the fronts of buildings. They're actually locking people in their buildings. And then you see these videos at night where people are, are, are going out on their balconies and just wailing like coyotes, yeah. just screaming yeah. into the night. It, it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then the devastation in Ukraine. And- yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. But, I mean, I've got friends in China and Shanghai and Nanjing, and, and we, we correspond with them regularly over uh, WeChat and, um, and uh, other social media platforms. And it is just heartbreaking uh, what is happening there. The the just the absolute um, uh, devastation that this this they they are treating people like hardened criminals just because they want to go outside, beating people up, dragging them off to jail, just because they have the audacity to break curfew and leave their apartment. Right. It, it's it's insane, and it really is. But it just goes to show you we weren't designed to be caged animals. No. We were not. We were not designed to be treated that way. 
and um, and it shows. But uh, that is the slightly less than mellifluous voice of Dr. Glenn Dye. You're a little less than mellifluous. Yeah, I've, today. Got a, I've got definitely got a head cold going on. I did test negative for COVID last night because hey, the government sent me some tests, and well, I had actually the one I used was from the Vegas trip. Yeah, um, you know, came back negative, so I'm, I'm good. It's just you know, a bad cold. You know, come to think of it, we ordered our free COVID test, and mm-hmm. I don't think they ever arrived. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I got mine. Fancy I that. some for my parents. And then, remember, Biden, after all that money they spent sending those to everybody, he said, we've got more if you want another rack of if them, you, which, you know, people did, which cost American taxpayers a lot of money for things that people won't use. Uh, Glenn, the things that we have wasted money on in this pandemic it it just boggles the mind i had this conversation with a few people this week Um, i think we've really done lasting damage Uh, look at the stock market yesterday yeah 900 points down yeah this is uh 2008 i believe uh was the last time it dropped that much uh the 2008 recession was that it yeah it's been it's been a long time yeah i think 2008 is the year i don't uh, don't remember exactly but yeah that I, i think i read that yeah and, and I'm not just talking about our economy. I'm talking about our national fabric. I'm talking right. about the consequences of putting all these kids on uh, remote learning for a couple of years, the, all the plexiglass everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, giving people this, this sense that they don't really have to work. You know, it's getting harder and harder to find people. I mean, it's been hard. It's still hard to find people who, who actually want to work. I mean, if you're, if you're talking to people who are trying to run a business in this economy, the hardest thing they have to do is, uh, is figure out how to staff their business. And $5 million, I believe it was, in plexiglass here in Horry County that was used for, what, a few months and then disposed of. They said they did recycle it, but they, you know, got pennies on the dollar. Oh, sure. Well, that, and that, hey, that's just funny COVID money. You know, so, I mean, no worries. We'll, uh, you know, spend all you want, spend all you want, folks. Biden will print more. But that is not the way to do it, Reese. It's not the uh, way to do it. And we're all paying a price uh, for that. That's the, I'm absolutely convinced, 100% convinced, do your own research, folks. I am convinced that the reason we're having all these economic problems are a, a, a combination of various things. Of course, the supply chain issues. But that also was COVID related. That all was brought about by the shutdown during the pandemic and the labor issues. Obviously, that's a problem. But I think the main thing we've got is they they printed almost one point nine two trillion dollars right. out of thin air and just flushed it out into the economy mm-hmm. to people who, frankly, didn't even really need it. And now we have the in many cases. Now we have the that dollar chasing products that are limited. Yeah, you know. So we're the supply and demand is is totally been skewed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, money, if you think about it, Glenn, money is nothing other than just enough. Money has to compete with other stores of value, you know, and it's like anything else. Think about it, it, you know, suppose it's, uh, you know, uh, a, widgets or uh, a, a handheld video game. Think of anything that you could, you could exchange anything for money, and but money is just another way it's the way we pay our bills, but it's 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 really the money gives us the ability to buy other stuff, right? And and money and to feed ourselves, yeah, and, and, and to do ourselves. all the things that we have to do. Yeah. And there's this, um, you know, there's a for folks who aren't uh, familiar with, um, you know, there's a I think it was Milton Friedman. He came up with this equation. He called it the the quantity equation of money, and it's a constant. And it, and his his equation. And I was thinking back through this as I was thinking about this uh, inflation issue. And it says MV equals PY. Let's get, we'll get into the weeds here a little bit. Okay. But it's money, it, velocity. We won't talk about velocity. Velocity actually means 
uh, how fast money is being accelerate. Spent. Yeah, how how fast it's being exchanged. Mm-hmm. Like how how when I give you a dollar, how long it takes you to give it to that to guy. give it to anybody else. Right. That's the velocity of money. Like Jacob the intern, for right. example, sitting with you there. Uh, so money times the the quantity of money times the the speed at which people are passing it around equals two things: the the average, you know, the general price level times Y, where Y is the amount of stuff, production, the current level of production that you have in an economy. Mm -hmm. And so if you just dump $2 trillion into an economy at one time, it's a, it's a zero, it's a fixed sum. So if you just dump extra money, if M goes up all of a sudden, which it has, Mm -hmm. M goes up all of a sudden, the prices by definition, it's a mathematical certainty. The, The price, if you don't also dump you know, a trillion, two trillion dollars worth of Lexuses, helicopters, and brand Richard, new houses yeah. into the economy and clothing into the economy for that money to be spent on. The prices, by definition, have to go up. Right. It's a it's a mathematical certainty. So I think, uh, I mean, honestly, I think they have done more damage to this country, to our social fabric, to our economy, to our long term health as a nation, as a society, by all these pandemic measures, all these spending spree measures that we've done, all these things are worse than what COVID would have done to us. The, the long-term effects of all that stuff. And and, and 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 you also have to factor in the long-term health consequences of people not going to their doctor during the lockdown, people not mm-hmm. treating themselves. for. I mean, I think all of that, at the very least, has got to be a wash. Well, I, you know, and if that, not worse than what COVID would have done. Yeah, mental health is yeah, in the mental tank health. Too. Suicide is up. Yeah, so uh, it, it's it's just bizarre. Sometimes when you look at what this country is doing to itself, it's almost as if the party in power wants to destroy the country. Yes, yes, it's crazy. So anyway, a lot to talk about here on Saturday morning, folks. By the way, we got a big surprise, Glenn. Hmm. Got some uh, tickets to give away. Really? Yeah. So we're going to give away some tickets. Uh, We'll talk about that after the break. Uh, so, but we've got a, a nice set of tickets to give away. Our good friend Jimmy Buffett having a concert in Charlotte uh, this evening, and so we've got a couple of tickets that we're going to offer up to our listeners this morning. So, stick around. More about that later in the second hour. We're going to be joined by Senator Josh Kimbrell. Uh, Josh is going to talk to us about uh, election reform in the Senate and other things going on in the General Assembly. We're also going to be joined by Tyson Langhofer. Tyson is an attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom, and he's going to be talking to us about the Merriweather case at the Supreme Court and some other things that ADF has been working on. So all that and more coming up on this edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. You guys stick with us. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee, and we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Reese, Pamela and I have always cherished that we get to live on the coast of South Carolina. What a privilege it is to serve our friends and neighbors along the Grand Strand and beyond with clients in 27 states. And just this year, Pile Financial Services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker-dealer out of Dallas, Texas. 
As we look to celebrate and ring in the new year, now is the time to review your financial relationships. 2022 could be a year of much volatility with elections, midterms, and potential tax law changes. If you don't have an advisor you trust, call Pile Financial Services at 843-945-4480 or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team, EXP Realty. And Greg, the question on everybody's mind these days, what is going on with this real estate market now? We have just come off three straight months of rising single-family home inventory, coupled with three straight months of slightly decreasing home sales. So what that tells us is the beginning of the shift is on. That frenzied market we felt this summer is really over. Over with and we're at the beginning of a shifting market so this means if you've been waiting waiting for this continued run up in the market the time to get your property on the market is right now before things change more folks that's great real estate advice from greg sisson reach greg and the greg sisson team exp realty at 843-251-2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com it's greg sisson and the greg sisson team your choice for real estate experts here along the grand strand Saturday morning coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. I don't believe it. Don't touch me. Hey, Ray. Hey, Sugar. Tell them who we are. Well, we're big rock singers. We got golden fingers. And we love everywhere we go. That sounds like us. We sing about beauty and we sing about truth. Ten thousand dollars a show, right? We take all kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills, but the thrill we never know is the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover? Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour 723 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us here on this edition of Saturday Morning Coffee. Just before the break, I meant to give out the call-in numbers. You guys are, of course, welcome uh, to join the show. We welcome your comments, welcome your texts. You can call the show at 843-903-2945. You can also text your comments to us on the pcrxcomputers.com text line. That number is 843-798-TALK. That is 843-798-8255. You can tweet your comments to me. Just think about this, Glenn. I'm proud to be able to say tweet again. <laughs> You're a proud tweeter, are Twitterer. you? Twitterer. We can, say, uh, we can yeah. say tweet with pride. Again, we'll talk a little bit about uh, that. And uh, yes, you can tweet your comments to me. The Twitter handle for the show is at Reese Boyd. And also, you can email your comments to the show. ReeseBoydSMC at gmail.com is the email address for the show. Love to hear from you guys. Many of you uh, email comments, topic suggestions, et cetera, et cetera, for Saturday morning coffee. We pay attention and read each uh, one of those. Also, you can call the offices of Davis and Boyd Attorneys at Law, the day job, if you'd like to speak during more normal business hours, nine to five, Monday through Friday. You can generally 
find me there or they can at least let you know when I will be there. That number is 843-839-9800. 843-839-9800. So Glenn, let's talk about uh, let's talk about a little exciting ticket giveaway here this morning. So All we right. have we have got Jimmy Buffett and we we are going to give away a Saturday morning coffee coffee mug and in that mug you will find uh, two tickets to the Jimmy Buffett concert, which is being held this evening. Now, this concert is this evening. So in just a few hours, you'll have to uh, jump in your car and head for Charlotte. It's in Charlotte. And it is, uh, let's see, it's at the B PNC Music uh, Pavilion. Again, that is in Charlotte, North Carolina. I so where that is. I, I was just there for the... Um... Bon Jovi concert, and it was at the Spectrum Center. So I, yeah. wonder, I don't know where that pavilion is. I have I have never been to the PNC Music Pavilion. Is that is that the one that's kind of on? I don't know. I don't want to say it. there's something. I want to say there's something down on 85 near the Whitewater Center. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it, that, it's probably like a wolf trap. Yeah, you it's think? kind of like I think it's kind of like well, a wolf yeah. trap type yeah, of it. And for you Southerners, that's up in Northern Virginia. Yeah. So. Yeah, I re- oh, I went to many events yeah, at Wolf, Wolf Trap. Oh, I did too. Yeah, I, I good. performed at Wolf Trap. Did you really? I did a magic show at Wolf Trap when I was about 15 years old. Wow. Biggest, biggest audience I ever had. I well, mean, I'll be. Just a sea of people. The things you learn. Yeah, Wolf yeah. Trap is huge. Yeah. So we've got these tickets. Jimmy Buffett. Now, this is real. This is not a joke, folks. I know we normally give away coffee mugs. But uh, today, by stroke of good fortune for you guys, uh, we decided we're going to give away a couple of Jimmy Buffett tickets because we have a couple of tickets that are not going to be used. So uh, mm. uh, I tell you what we're going to do. Uh, Glenn, we're going to give folks a little bit of time to do this. If you want to, be, if you want to put your name in the hat, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. It's probably I don't know how we'll transfer these tickets. I'm sure I can transfer them. It says I can transfer them, but if you want the tickets, uh, put yourself uh, an email together and email reeseboydsmc at gmail dot com. reeseboydsmc at gmail dot com. Put Jimmy Buffett tickets in the subject line. And we're going to be uh, collecting all those emails. We're going to collect them for the next couple of hours. Hmm. And uh, at uh, I won't, I'm not going to try to do it during the show. Okay. But we're going to collect those emails until, let's say, uh, 9.30 this morning, okay. Glenn. So if you, guys want to, if, you, if you guys want to get in the drawing for some Jimmy Buffett tickets, <clears throat> send us an email to smc at gmail.com. So you will call contact the winner. Yeah, we're gonna at we're gonna print out all those emails. I'm gonna let my daughter draw an email out of the box, uh, and uh, so you you can be assured she will not cheat on anybody's behalf. Draw an email out of the box, and we will let somebody know by email at 10 a.m. We'll also announce the winner on the uh, Facebook page. Okay. For Saturday morning coffee. Yeah. So if you would like uh, Saturday morning coffee. If you would like Jimmy Buffett tickets, if you would like to be the representative of Saturday morning coffee at the Jimmy Buffett concert in Charlotte this evening, again, this is eight o'clock this evening. You don't have a lot of time to get this together, but if you would like free gratis, no money, o yeah. tickets to see Jimmy Buffett. And, and I'm told these are very good seats. I don't, I don't know anything about PNC Music Pavilion. Well, that I'm, would mean that it's not a lawn seat. So no, I, I think I'm told seat. these are very good seats. Uh, you'll be well pleased. 
uh, with the uh, view and the and the show. I'm sure. I'm sh- and have you ever seen Jimmy Buffett in concert? I have not. He is yeah. outstanding. Yeah, I've, he gives I a mean, great. I've seen it on yeah. on videos and yeah. you know. He's a great. Uh, he's a. Yeah, and, I wonder if Tim the car detail guy's a parrot head. You know, I'm sure know, he's I'm sure up listening. Got, probably I'm sure shining up some, some uh, beautiful yeah. car right now. I'm, Maybe him and his gal would like to jump in the vehicle and uh, take a ride up to Charlotte. Yeah. So if you are uh, in the market for some Jimmy Buffett tickets, shoot us an email, uh, reeseboydsmc at gmail.com. Put Jimmy Buffett tickets in the subject line. If you really want to impress me, uh, take a screenshot of yourself listening to the uh, podcast and put that in the email. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, pr- we'll print it out twice for you. Uh, but we will print all those emails out. We will put them in a box and we will draw a winner. And the winner will be notified on uh, email this morning, 10 o'clock. And we will also uh, put the winner on uh, social media. So you guys can check the Facebook page for Saturday Morning Coffee. You'll be able to know uh, who got those tickets. And we will uh, hope everybody has uh, a lot of fun. But um, uh, with our hope, whoever gets those tickets has a lot of fun. I wish I, wish I could go. It's not going to yeah. be an option for yeah. me to go this I weekend. I wish I could go. I wish you could go. Okay. All right. So a lot going on this week. As we mentioned, Elon Musk, now the owner of Twitter, and the left is in an absolute meltdown. Isn't it funny, Glenn, how when, uh, when the left is in charge and the left is the one that is doing the, uh, the censoring, they are doing fine. They're okay with that. That's, yeah. their, that's their safe space. Yeah. But when somebody else is in charge and somebody else is not really censoring anybody, but just trying to give folks the right to say what's on their mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, there's an absolute meltdown. Leftist Twitter workers losing it over a-hole Elon Musk buying the company. Alleged internal messages show we're all going through the five stages of grief. <laughs> I mean, this is really, this is really rich, frankly. Uh, Elon, Elon Musk's headline-grabbing purchase of the controversial social media platform uh, conservative uh, Andy No wrote in the writes in the New York Post. No said those sentiments showed up in leaked internal messages from a Slack, uh, in, you know, a corporate, uh, you know, internal communications channel over the Slack app. Um, no added in his own Twitter post that the uh, f- employees of Twitter, their biggest fear is that former President Donald Trump will be unbanned. He already said he's not going to go back to Twitter. Yeah, he's, he's not. He's concentrating on his own platform. He's got Truth Social. Yeah, yeah, so he doesn't need no stinking Twitter. No, and and quite honestly, those employees, most of them had stock options. I bet, and I bet you're sitting pretty good today in your bank account. Oh, they're so, doing they're doing quite yeah, well. So, Many of them will cash out, not look back, and uh, they'll be fine. They're well, not going to they're not going to starve. There are some people that are really concerned that uh, uh, Twitter will turn into a place where a lot of misinformation is generated and that it concerns certain people that misinformation is going to destroy us or affect us or what have you but well clearly that's an excellent point i remind them that we've already seen that and what they described might happen has already happened it's already happened we didn't find out till after the election yeah it's already happened it's now well documented uh, Glenn, that the CIA, the, the, um, let me find you, you're, you're, uh, you kind of hit me with a curveball there, but oh. it's, no, it's, it's good. You Thanks know, it's, 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 it's well documented, Glenn, that these things have already taken place. This from the Epoch Times Durham report. CIA knew early on 
that data tying Trump to Russia was fake. They've been manipulating yep. the narrative and the truth in the other direction for at least six, seven years. Yeah. At least going all the way back to 2016 at the very latest. There's been a there's been a concerted effort on the part of certain agencies, the CIA, others within the DOJ, obviously the, the Clinton White House, all the cast of characters that we know that we were involved that, that were trying to uh, suppress things that they knew to be true. And, and, and one of them is that the CIA knew early on that the data, the alleged data, tying Trump to the, the whole Russia hoax was fake. Yep. They knew that yep. beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, of course, we've all heard this, but it says, as the trial of Hillary Clinton campaign lawyer Michael Sussman approaches, special counsel John, and, John Durham and Sussman's lawyers are arguing over what evidence can be admitted. As part of those arguments, Durham filed a routine uh, response in mid-April detailing why the evidence he's seeking to admit is both relevant and admissible. These back-and-forth filings common in the weeks leading up to federal trials, but the disclosures made by Durham are anything but routine. And they go on to say that it's very clear that the CIA knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that all of that was true. So it's, you know, th- th- these manipulations have already, uh, they've, been, they've been ongoing for years, but now they're just afraid that, uh, Elon Musk is going to allow free speech to reign. Yeah, you know, just look at one incident, one one thing. Hunter Biden's laptop, another excellent example, totally erased, and that was that was before the election, which means it appears that we have a corrupt president in the White House. You say this to somebody that doesn't like Trump, and they're going to respond. Well, he was just replacing another corrupt yeah. president. But that president was scrutinized, investigated, looked at, upside down, shaken upside down, and he came out squeaky clean with nothing. So how do you say that we have a had a corrupt president? It may appear, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. It may appear that way, but it was yeah. never proven. I believe that the Hunter Biden laptop and the link to Joe Biden is going to be true a hundred percent i think it's gonna be proven and it's the biden crime family yeah well and what i have what i have struggled to figure out glenn and and i I know we all ask these questions it's let's go back think back to when the fbi raided um um yeah giuliani giuliani excuse me mayor Mayor giuliani um uh rudy giuliani's apartment in new york I i drew a blank there for a moment and that's why I'm here. They, yeah, that's why you're here. The the police said, oh, what is this? Pointing to the hard drive yeah. that they found. The FBI said, what is this? They, he said, oh, it's Hunter Biden's laptop. Oh, well, we don't want to touch that. Yeah. We don't want to mess with that. Yeah. So, you know, leading to the uh, conclusion that if you are raided by the FBI and you have stuff in your home that you don't want the FBI to mess with, just when they ask, tell them, just tell them it belongs to Hunter Biden. It's insanity, Glenn. It's insanity. And I do think that that you're right. You're absolutely right. That these links, I'm confident, ultimately, I think the truth comes out. And and there are, we were talking about it yesterday on the Liz show. You know, there is a distinction between certain, Biden talks about uh, seizing assets of the Russian oligarchs. Well, it turns out that there's only certain oligarchs that they're, they're, they're only going after the private yachts and the private accounts of certain oligarchs. The ones that are being excluded are the ones that have ties to the Biden family. There you go. Yep. I mean, it, it is a network of, of it's a Rico. Well, and wasn't it, wasn't it the Washington post that, 
put that story out on Twitter and then it got taken down? Wasn't it the Washington Post that reported that originally? About I, maybe Biden? I don't. I don't. I I read that somewhere. I don't yeah, know if the Washington Post. It was suppressed by Twitter. Yeah. It was taken down and and of course nobody would talk about it on network news or anything. Maybe Fox would, but nobody would talk about the laptop. Yeah. So total double standard. But Twitter, uh, their in their employees are. They're really having a moment. They're not in their safe space. Uh, Elon Musk has said he will bring free speech to Twitter. Very interesting stuff. We'll talk a little bit more about that after the break. Folks, it's Saturday morning coffee. I'm Reese Boyd. That's Glenn Dye. Don't leave town. Now it's all designed to blow our minds, but our minds won't really be blown. Like the blow that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stones. Local news and more. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese means more coffee. Coming up next on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Take a load off, Annie. Stay a while, 741 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for joining us. Here on the program, we were talking just before the break about Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter and the absolute meltdown going on amongst Twitter employees as a result of the purchase. It's uh, really quite uh, revealing, folks. It's it, one of the things that I read said that they were literally crying uh, in the halls. Uh, kind of funny if you think about it. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Andy No posted in uh, the Washington, or excuse me, the New York Post about uh, all of the uh, safe spaces that are having to be created at Twitter for them to discuss. Meanwhile, Trump has... Uh, indicated that he is not coming, as you said, Glenn, not coming back uh, to Twitter. He's got his own um, he's got his own outlet now, Trump Post on Truth Social, signaling his return to social media. Former President Donald Trump has posted on Truth Social, his new uh, social media service, signaling his return to social media. I'm back, said the president. Hashtag Kofefe. Trump wrote on the platform, which he funded and which is owned by the Trump Media and Technology Group. In the same post, the former president also shared a photo of himself appearing to use a phone while standing in front of his Mar-a-Lago club in Palm Beach, Florida. It comes after Trump said in February that people should get ready and your favorite president will see you soon. The hashtag Kofefe refers to a term Trump first posted in May 2017 on Twitter that said, despite the negative press, Kofefe 
And uh, that tweet received over 122,000 shares and 155,000 likes before being deleted. Trump never <laughs> corrected the spelling of kafefe nor explained exactly what the term <laughs> meant. Yeah. And even to this day, it's somewhat of a mystery. And of course, yeah. here at the station, we sometimes have uh, coffee kafefes here at the station. Liz hosts uh, those on her show. But uh, anyway, Trump is back. It, it got me to thinking, Glenn, as I was pumping gas this week. You've seen the T-shirts, of course, that say, uh, I'd give anything, you know, I'd take a few mean tweets mm-hmm. to have gas at buck, a buck 79 again. Yeah. Now those folks get to enjoy mean tweets and they still get to pay $4 a gallon <laughs> for gasoline. So they ought to be really happy. Uh, you know, I, I imagine Twitter, uh, when, when all this happened, the people crying and upset, it was probably just like Hillary Clinton's acceptance speech that never happened at the glass yeah. ceiling. Yeah. Place and exactly. Everybody was pouring, pouring out all the tears and everything. Yeah, they need a safe space. They needed a safe space. So uh, a lot of safe spaces uh, needed for folks. And you know, it, it's funny, Glenn, when people uh, censor the left. You know, it seems as though nobody. Yeah, we don't. We don't crack up. We don't start crying in the streets. We don't break down. We don't talk about how the world is coming to an end. I mean, we're obviously concerned about where the, where the world is going, but folks on the left are just. They're not. They're not really resilient, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You start. You start moving the needle against them, and they start to come unglued. Yeah. It's kind of like we were talking about what it's like to debate a leftist, a progressive. And we were listening to the audio last week from the Florida House of Representatives, and you got the uh, members of the Florida House, including the guest that we had on the show, Paul Renner, down in the in the well, trying to conduct the business. And in that particular instance, they were voting to uh, take away the tax exempt or the, the tax autonomous, I should say, status mm-hmm. of Walt Disney, Walt Disney World and Walt Disney Companies in Florida. And you had people in the balcony screaming, literally screaming and and dressed like Minnie and Mickey and the Mouseketeers, screaming at the members of the of the uh, assembly, trying to prevent them from doing their job. That's what it's like to debate uh, a leftist in in modern political America. Well, I I have I have said many times, um, trying to talk to a a Trump hater and point out the good things that Trump did. I, I by no means was I a hundred percent on board with Trump or think that he should come back and be our president again. Um, it would be better than what we have, but I think oh, yeah. there might be a better choice out there. But Never never said Trump was perfect. No, never. And I never have. Yeah. But if you're talking to a Trump hater, they will basically go down fighting because they hate Trump so much. I mean, anybody but Trump is what they some of them say. It is TDS, Trump Derangement Syndrome. Yeah. Uh, for his part, Elon Musk says the Democratic Party has been hijacked uh, by extremists. Elon Musk drew <laughs> criticism, again, from left-wing Twitter users after he posted that the Democratic Party has been hijacked by extremists. On Thursday, Musk posted a meme image that showed a timeline from 2008 to 2021. The picture showed both conservatives and liberals were near the center of the political spectrum, spectrum, with Musk depicting himself slightly to the left of center. But over the next 13 years, the same the meme shows Musk is seen remaining near the center while the right conservatives remain the same. The liberal figure, which is seen running to the left, then is seen at the extreme left portion of the spectrum, while Musk is now on the conservative side. 
In response to a later Twitter post, Musk wrote, I strongly supported Obama for president, but today's Democratic Party has been hijacked by extremists. Amen. You, you, you can't find many moderate centrist Democrats that used, they used to govern. They used to, they used to govern from the, the center left. Mm-hmm. Those people are gone. They don't ever get any press. They don't, they don't get any attention. They don't have any influence. Where, where is the center left in American politics today? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, where are the, uh, where are the Tip O'Neills of old? Yeah, yeah. You know, where are those guys? Yep. They've all been replaced by Rashida Tlaib's, uh, AOC's, uh, Bernie Sanders. Th- those are the people who are driving the bus. And if people don't see what is happening to your country and vote those people out, it is going to continue and it's going to get worse. We have Amen. never had the threat of nuclear war in my in my recollection since 1962 with the Cuban Missile Crisis. I, am I correct? Did we ever, between the time I was born and now, at, at, from the Cuban Missile Crisis to now, have we ever really felt like we could get blown up tomorrow? No. No. Not in my no. memory, no. No. Um, and you're exactly correct. I think I believe on every front— Glenn, whether you want to talk about the response to the pandemic, whether you want to talk about economic policy, fiscal policy, uh, this spending binge that this administration has been on, if you want to talk about energy policy, they have none. Right. They really have no energy policy except to for, for us all to shut up and go buy an electric car, which really accomplishes nothing right. if you think about it. So they have no energy policy except the Green New Deal, which is nothing more than, than uh, economic extremism. Uh, envi- and environmental extremism. They have no. They have no policy there. If you talk about foreign policy, yeah, they, it's almost as if. And I say this, people think I'm joking. I'm not joking. It's almost as if the Democratic Party and the left-leaning, the extremist wing of the Democratic Party, which is now, as Musk just tweeted out, he thinks they're in charge. I've been thinking that for a long time. It's almost like they want to destroy the country. Yeah. And look, and look what's happened. Uh, Bul- I think it's Bulgaria and Poland have been cut off now with natural gas from Russia. Yeah. So where are they going to get it from? And we didn't have these problems three years ago. No. Just saying. We did not. I wonder what was different three years ago, Glenn. We were a much better country. We were definitely more patriotic. Folks, a lot more to talk about this morning here on Saturday Morning Coffee. want to remind you guys that we have two tickets to the Jimmy Buffett concert in Charlotte this evening to give away gratis. All you have to do is send an email to Saturday Morning Coffee. That's Reese Boyd, S-M-C, at gmail.com. R-E-E-S-E-B-O-Y-D, S-M-C, at gmail.com. Put Jimmy Buffett tickets in the subject line. We're going to be giving those tickets away later this morning. Stick with us. We'll be right back with more Saturday morning coffee. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. More Reese coming up next on Talk 94.5. Thanks for waking up with Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. I am Reese Boyd, and it is 7.54 on your Saturday morning. I want to remind you guys that we have two tickets to give away this morning to the Jimmy Buffett concert in Charlotte this evening. We've got those tickets uh, in our email. We can email those to you. All you have to do is be the winning recipient. How do you get in the drawing? You send us an email to... Reese Boyd, SMC at gmail.com. Put Jimmy Buffett tickets in the subject line. Let us know that you would like to go to Charlotte and uh, attend the Jimmy Buffett concert, and we will put you in the basket. We'll print all those emails out, let let you guys know a little later this morning who uh, won those tickets. But that is this evening. So if you have a chance to go to uh, Saturday morning, uh, excuse me, if you have a chance to go to Charlotte uh, this Saturday evening, then uh, let us know, and we'll be glad to put your name uh, in the bucket for the grand prize, drawing two tickets to see Jimmy Buffett this evening and a Saturday morning coffee mug to take with you. And all that can be accomplished with the exception of the mug. You'll have to pick that up later. But the ticket transfer can be accomplished via email. All you got to do is get yourself to Charlotte by about 7.30 this evening. So uh, get those emails in if you're interested, and we'll be in touch. We were talking before the break, uh, Glenn, um, And I want to remind folks, coming up in the second hour, we're going to be talking uh, to Senator Josh Kimbrell. Josh is a member of the Senate who's been active on a lot of issues that are uh, things that we've talked about on the show, the election integrity bill, our own uh, flag freedom bill, now in Josh's uh, subcommittee on on the Judiciary Committee. So we've got a lot to talk to uh, Senator Kimbrell about. Looking forward to hearing from him. We're also going to be talking to Tyson Langhofer in the 8 o'clock hour. Tyson is an attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Been working on a lot of cases, including the Merriweather case at the Supreme Court. So look forward to talking mm-hmm. to uh, Tyson in the next hour. Hope you guys will stick around for that. Uh, Glenn, just before the break, and we don't have a ton of time to wrap this topic up, but just before the break, we, you were talking about truth and the way truth has been suppressed. Yeah. And... Of course, we all heard this week probably one of the scariest things that I've heard our government announce in our lifetimes. Uh-huh. Uh, and, of course, I'm talking about the Department of uh, Homeland Security, Secretary Mayorkas' announcement in Congress that they are forming a disinformation, an effort to uh, combat uh, disinformation. The White House Press Secretary uh, Jen Psaki on Thursday defended a recently announced Department of Homeland security effort to combat disinformation on issues related to COVID-19 and elections. And of course, she's referring to the DHS Disinformation Governance Board. Now, I don't know what that sounds like to you or the rest of our listeners. Uglin, to me, that sounds like trouble. Yeah. And look who's running, who they put in charge of it. Oh, yeah. She's a nut job. Yeah. She is an absolute certified nut job. She was the one pushing the Russia hoax, right? Yes, yeah. she's the one that's been pushing yeah. disinformation. Yeah, and uh, asked by Fox News White House correspondent Jackie Henrich for more information about what the DHS Disinformation Governance Board would be doing specifically. Pasaki said, "I really haven't dug into this exactly. <laughs> yeah. I really freedom, haven't man. dug into this exactly. I mean, we of course support this effort, but let me see if I can get more specifics." The White House announced its support for an effort from DHS to crack down on what it considers to be online disinformation. Homeland Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas testified Wednesday that a disinformation governance board had been created to combat online disinformation 
And Politico reported that Nina Jankowitz, who previously served as a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center, will head the board as executive director. Folks, that's incredibly scary. Yeah. And uh, But we'll talk a little bit more. We've got to take a break for some news and other advertising efforts. We'll be back after that uh, with more Saturday morning coffee. Stick with us. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday Morning Coffee. We're here today talking with Greg Sisson of the Greg Sisson Team, EXP Realty. And Greg, you've been in this market for over 24 years locally. How does that experience translate to benefit your clients? You're right, Reese. Doing this for 24 years, we've learned a few things, and we specialize in better communication, giving our clients more peace of mind, and just handling all the details, streamlining the process. So how do you coach a buyer who's involved in an environment where there are multiple offers being submitted? submitted for properties that are moving quickly. You've got to have a buyer that absolutely has to have the property, meaning the motivation is there. Going in strong with terms and price is the way you win in this market. Folks, that's great real estate advice from Greg Sisson. Reach Greg and the Greg Sisson team, EXP Realty at 843-251-2693 or reach them online at gregsisson.com. It's Greg Sisson and the Greg Sisson team, your choice for real estate experts here along the Grand Strand. This is WTKN, Merle's Inlet, Myrtle Beach, The Liz Callaway Show, 6 to 10 weekday mornings on Talk 94.5. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour, two full hours on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. 8.07 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on the second hour of uh, Saturday Morning Coffee. I want to remind you guys, those uh, emails starting to come in. Uh, so if you want to get those Jimmy Buffett tickets, get your emails in. Emails are coming into the uh, show address, reeseboydsmc at gmail.com. If you'd like to attend that Jimmy Buffett concert tonight in Charlotte, shoot me an email. Let us know that you'd like to go. We'll put your name in the uh, box, and we'll be drawing those later. Also, uh, several of you, yeah, nice little uh, little background there. We should have added some uh, Jimmy Buffett to the show. Pontificator checking in on the PCRXcomputers.com. Kenny the Equipment, uh, text line, Kenny the Equipment Guy checking in. Tim the Car Detail Guy. Cadillac Gary checking in. Good morning, Cadillac Gary. Hope you all are all doing well. Thanks for listening this morning here on Saturday Morning Coffee. But uh, we were talking just before the break about this uh, disinformation governance board. And, and frankly, Glenn, that's one of the most frightening things that I've ever heard uh, come out of this administration. Yeah. And, and when they've said some frightening stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really cuckoo. And we've got a um, – th- this is not a conservative rag. This is Politico, not a conservative – 
organization, very much middle of the road, I would say left-leaning a little bit. Politico said Biden's hopeless disinformation police. Here comes the Department of Homeland Security, the heavily funded guardian of our national borders, enforcer of immigration laws, preventer of terrorism, protector of U.S. coastal waters, keeper of cybersecurity, and coordinator of disaster preparedness. With yet another sweeping assignment, on Wednesday, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas announced at a House hearing the formation of a disinformation governance board, which will carry the agency's fight to a new front, the battle with disinformation. What will the board do? Where will the war be waged? Information on the Biden's administration, on the Biden administration's war on disinformation proves scarce. Great question. What is this board going to do? I don't know. When they find disinformation, what are they going to do about it? They were the ones pushing misinformation, so I just don't get it. And yet we've already proven that the CIA knew a a, a great deal about misinformation in 2016, and they did nothing about it. Yeah, so did the FBI. Yeah, and the FBI, exactly. So it's very troubling, folks. And, And by the way, the cornerstone of this democracy is the First Amendment which guarantees free speech. Yep. You have the right to say whatever you want to say. Yep. And if you're right, great. People will follow you. People will listen. Yeah. If you're wrong, people over time will discount what you have to say exactly. and they'll stop listening. Exactly. And they'll we, find we, you to be an idiot. They'll find you to yep. be an idiot. They'll reach their own conclusions. We call that the marketplace of ideas. And that is how we make progress as a society. It's what democracy is based upon. Think about the progress we could have had had we elected a different president the last time just say just asking for where a would we be as for a country example. would yeah. we be threatened with nuclear war no would we be worried about uh all this other crap? any host of things yes. yeah i mean the any economy the yeah. illegal entry so of country it's insane folks it is truly the most insane idea but right now we're going to talk about a little more insanity but somewhat slightly less insane something going on right in the General Assembly here in South Carolina in Columbia. We're going to be uh, discussing uh, the efforts of the South Carolina legislature and the governor to enact uh, election integrity reform. That's been a, a, uh, a an objective of the Republican-controlled House and Senate for at least a session or two. And we're close, but we've been hung up, and we're going to get some insight on that and a couple of other issues from our next guest who now joins us here on the show. We're going to we're talking now to Senator Josh Kimbrell and uh, Josh has been on the show before. He is a member of the South Carolina Senate where he also serves on the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee. Welcome to the show, Josh. Good morning. Thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Well, good morning, Reese. Good to be with you. And before we get started on that, I'm listening to your last discussion. I'm reminded I'm actually 400 pages into about a 500-page bio of Thomas Jefferson right now. And there's a quote that I read a couple of days ago uh, by Jefferson talking about this very idea. He would have been horrified at this uh, information, this information board at DHHS. And he said uh, that America can survive many uh, wrong ideas as long as reason is free to contradict them. And hmm. uh, I feel like that's exactly where we are. We, we yeah. can survive the Biden administration because good ideas are out there, but not if they silence the opposition, which is what they're trying to do. Amen. If they if they silence the rational opposition, the rational thought that's out there contradicting all the nonsense, absolutely, uh, Josh, we're 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 done. It's over. Game over. And uh, and I, and I'm absolutely in agreement with you. I think this is this is one of the craziest ideas I've ever heard. And I and I interesting to me. I don't know if you have any thoughts of this. Why did we hear about this? Why did we first hear about this in in a hearing 
in Congress uh, from the secretary. You would think, and, and then when Jen Psaki was asked about it, she said, well, I really haven't thought about it too much, to be honest with you. And this is this is an insane idea. Well, because this administration is, there's no real leader of this administration. The president is, I, I mean this with all due respect, but the guy is not mentally up to the job at this point. Every one of these secretaries kind of running their own ship. And Mayorkas is a thin-skinned guy who doesn't like anybody criticizing the fact that he's an abysmal failure on every objective of the, of the Department of Homeland Security. So instead of talking about how they've managed to lose complete control of the border that was secure not even four years ago or how they've lost complete control of the international affairs when it comes to terrorists plowing across that southern border. Oh, no, let's just switch the idea and talk about disinformation. I find it real interesting that he makes the announcement about 24 hours after Elon Musk took over Twitter, right? The Twitter yeah. Twitter, Twitter was the disinformation ding, ding, ding. board for the Democratic left. And yeah. then after after Elon Musk took that over, that here we go. We're, we're now, now it's back to let like the government do it because our, our proxy over at Twitter is no longer a reliable ally in promoting leftist propaganda. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you you have to wonder about the timing of all this. There are a few coincidences in politics, I believe. So Very few. And on that note, uh, Josh, let's switch gears, if we may. I wanted to talk to you. Obviously, you and I have had some conversations uh, offline about uh, this topic. You've been involved in this effort to, I mean, election integrity is obviously an extremely important issue because we are where we are because we have the results of the 2020 elections. Um, South Carolina has been doing good work. Uh, You guys have done great work in the General Assembly to advance a bill, but we've had some hangups at the last minute um, with uh, the the Senate insertion of a uh, sort of a poison, what's been described as a poison pill in this uh, election integrity reform legislation. And so where does that stand? We actually just, you may not be aware of this. uh, Drew McKissick was on the show last week to give sort of a summary and update of uh, what what was in the bill. And we talked about the the many great things that that bill does. It, you know, I'm sure you would just refresh for our our listeners recollection, but it prohibits ballot harvesting. Uh, It limits, it, it, it curtails the reasons for which you can vote absentee. Uh, it forces you to put Social Security, the last four digits of your Social Security number on absentee ballots. Uh, it, it, it prohibits third-party monies uh, from coming in and being spent on these election processes. Uh, it, so my take is it's a, it's a, a great bill. I think, I think what, what are your thoughts on where we are and why this bill has been derailed seemingly at the, at the 11th hour? Well, it is a good bill, so, and I would say great bill. That's a good way to describe it. I mean, you, you, you captured most of it. The biggest things that are – the biggest changes really are that we prohibit those drop boxes and really limit the, uh, the absentee ballots and make it in-person early voting with a photo ID. That's the most secure way to ensure election integrity. I do want to say this before I get into what happened. Uh, I want South Carolinians to know that even before this bill, every uh, nonpartisan, bipartisan study group in the country – that looks at election security and integrity, has rated South Carolina in the top 10 in terms of election integrity even prior to this, uh, the enaction of this law we're working on. So we're not, we're not at Georgia, we're not Arizona or any of these states yeah. that you've seen in the news a lot. We're yeah. already much more secure. Our elections in 2020 were very secure. We can still do more, which is what we're trying to do. I've, I've been told that if this bill is adopted, if this bill does end up becoming law, that it moves us from maybe seventh or eighth, eighth, something like that, in terms of the entire country on election security, to number two, which I think is worthwhile. That puts us in the absolute top of the tier 
when it comes to secure election. That's why I want the bill. You know, what we've seen here, uh, Reese, is a total digging in. It's become a political uh, game of chicken, if you will. And we've everybody on both sides of the, of the state house, whether it's the House leadership or Senate, need to take a step back, put the egos aside, and do what's right for the people of the state. That's been my message. That's what I've tried to do. The poison pill, as, it, as it's been described, is over advice and consent. And I want to talk about, as a senator, one of the great prerogatives we have as the Senate to protect the state, to ensure a, a functioning government, is advice and consent. Our founders believed advice and consent was critical, both at the federal and state level. The Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of South Carolina provide for the Senate of the U.S. and the state, respectively, to have advice and consent. What that means, of course, is we get to confirm appointees by the executive. So if the governor, in the case of the state, or the president, in case of the federal government, makes an appointment to the head of a department, whether it's Mayorkas at DHHS at the federal level or uh, the head of DHEC here at the state level, the Senate gets to confirm that individual. I think that's the better part of wisdom. It provides checks and balances. It's what our Constitution provides for. Here's where things went crazy during the election debate. As it stands right now, the Senate does not confirm, uh, neither confirms the executive director of the election commission nor the commissioners. And the, the House bill that was sent over to us did not provide for advice and consent of the executive director or the commissioners. It basically kept the confirmation laws as it currently is. So right now, the governor of South Carolina gets to appoint all five commissioners of the state election commission unilaterally. Now, that's good and bad, right? You can say there's some yeah. arguments we've made both ways. And so the what we what, what our leadership, what some folks in the Judiciary Committee decided to do, Senator Massey was really the biggest proponent for this, was to have us confirm the executive director uh, and all five commissioners of the Election Commission. I understand why he made that recommendation, advice and consent, normal. Uh, but the House said, hey, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to let you all confirm the commissioners of the Election Commission when both the House and the Senate have to deal with that Election Commission. We're not going to unilaterally disarm it, if you will. So what I've worked on with Senator Tom Davis and uh, Senator Wes Clymer, Michael Johnson, Brian Adams, a, a group of folks, Katrina Sheely, we all came together. I wrote an amendment that basically said, all right, let's split the baby here. Let's find a way to, to find some middle ground. We still provide for checks and balances where the Senate gets to have some advice and consent authority. But we don't just totally gut the House's ability to have some interaction, too. So I propose that we have advice and consent on the executive director of the State Election Commission, because that's the person that ultimately makes day-to-day -day policy anyways, and just leave the commission where it is right now, that the governor gets to make those appointments, you know, without advice and consent. I thought, okay, this is a fair middle ground. The House, sure. and I spoke, to, I spoke to the Speaker of the House about that. He was fine with it. Spoke to the governor about it. He was fine with it. And uh, we thought we'd be able to do that in the Senate. Well, we had some folks on, on our side dig in and say, nope, we want all or nothing. And then the House said, well, we're not even going to negotiate. So now that's where we are, Reese. We're at a we're at, we're at a pride moment where, where people are digging in. The House leadership and Senate majority leader just digging in, saying we're not talking anymore, take our marbles and go home. I think that's a bad idea. Yeah. And I respect I respect both the Speaker of the House and Senate Majority Leader Massey, both good guys trying to do the right thing. I just hope that people can take a step back and say, look, Senator Kimbrell and his allies put together a reasonable uh, compromise here. And e even if you don't like what I've done, Let's tweak it, but let's don't take our marbles and go home and kill the bill. Yeah, amen. Because uh, this has been a high priority for a couple of sessions, right? This has been something that, that, and I believe it passed the House unanimously, if I'm not mistaken. Well, the funny thing is it's passed both chambers unanimously. That's wow. the irony of it. Uh, yeah. we, we passed our version unanimously. They passed their version unanimously. And, uh, and it, it, this is it's only been debated this session, this two-year session. We talked about it last year in the House, and 
then we, we had some debate in the Senate, but this is the first time it's gone through both chambers. And really, we're at the five-yard line. And what I've tried to tell people, Reese, and this is what really scares me, is that we are going to fumble the football at the five-yard line with a Republican-controlled legislature and a Republican governor. I think the people of South Carolina should expect more out of us, and I don't blame them. Amen. I agree with you. And if you look at the, there's a lot of all the boards and commissions that are out there. A lot of those boards and commissions are populated, appointed without any involvement from the governor at all, correct? Well, typically it's checks and balances. There's a few where we'd have some legislative appointment or a few where the governor appoints unilaterally. But typically it's the combination of the governor appoints Senate confirmation, and that's just checks and balances. That's normal, and we need to get back to that and find the middle ground here. Yeah. Josh, got a few other things I wanted to ask you about. Can you stick around through a break? I will hold through the break. Thanks, Josh. We'll be right back, folks. We're talking to Josh Kimbrell, senator from uh, the actually uh, a member of the United uh, the United States. I'm, I'm giving you promotion. The South Carolina Senate. We'll be right back after these words from our sponsors uh, with more. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Talk. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Hi, everybody. It's Reese Boyd, your host for Saturday morning coffee. And we're here today talking with Scott Pyle of Pyle Financial Services. Reese, Pamela and I have always cherished that we get to live on the coast of South Carolina. What a privilege it is to serve our friends and neighbors along the Grand Strand and beyond with clients in 27 states. And just this year, Pile Financial Services was recognized as the number one company in the country with our broker-dealer out of Dallas, Texas. As we look to celebrate and ring in the new year, now is the time to review your financial relationships. 2022 could be a year of much volatility with elections, midterms, and potential tax law changes. If you don't have an advisor you trust, call Pile Financial Services at 843-945-4480 or find them online at pilefinancialservices.com. It's Pile Financial Services, aligning wealth with purpose. Saturday morning coffee. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour is now two full hours. Two full hours on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour 826 on your Saturday morning. Thanks for sticking with us here on the program. want to remind you guys that we are giving away Jimmy Buffett tickets this morning on Saturday Morning Coffee. If you'd like to go see Jimmy Buffett in concert this evening in Charlotte, this evening, you got to move quickly, send us an email to reeseboyd.com. SMC at gmail.com. Reese Boyd, SMC at gmail.com. We will print your email, 
put it in the hopper, and we'll be drawing a uh, winner a little later on this morning. Two tickets to see Jimmy Buffett in, Buffett in concert this evening. Great seats. So uh, send us an email if you want to be in that drawing. Right now we're talking to Josh Kimbrell. Josh is a, I gave him an, a promotion just before the break. I hope you won't be offend, weren't offended, <laughs> yeah. uh, Josh. You are a member of the South Carolina Senate. Josh is from Spartanburg County, represents District 11 in the South Carolina uh, Senate. But uh, who knows, Josh, maybe one day, maybe the U.S. Senate. Uh, well, right right now, Reese, I tell you what, we've got our hands full of the South Carolina Senate, and at least we're not as crazy as the United States Senate is right now under uh, Chuck Schumer. So that's a good thing. Yeah, you, I, think you're, I think you're right where you need to be at the moment. Uh, so, Josh, we were talking about the election integrity reform bill that is sort of in a logjam. I can't imagine ego uh, becoming an issue in politics, but apparently, as you said, it's just a, a, a contest of wills at this point. What can folks do if they want to help move this thing along, get this bill uh, signed by the governor? Well, we need people to call House and Senate leadership. We need to call and say, look, let, let's just put aside the ego and let's work on this together. At this point, you know, I, I, a week or so ago, I, I, my, my position was, okay, I'm really frustrated that, uh, that the Senate leadership didn't take up my amendment, that we didn't get there. We tried. I mean, I, we came, we got a lot of people. We pulled a lot of Republicans over to say, let's find a middle ground, and I think we could have saved it. But then after that, I, I, you know, then I saw the Speaker of the House and the leadership in the House said, well, we're not even going to negotiate with the Senate. Let's put it in a drawer. So really at this place, at this point, there's plenty of blame to go around here. We just need people to sit down and talk. And that's, that's a normal feature of the legislative process. There's the, uh, something called a conference committee. The House and the Senate have to appoint conferees and go and work out the differences between the House and the Senate versions of these bills. And that could be done right now. We need to do that. And so I would encourage folks to call House and Senate uh, leadership. Say, let's take it up. Let's let's get a conference committee. Let's go talk because we, we, 90, 95% of the bill, heck, 99% of the bill has already been agreed upon. We're in agreement on 99% of the bill, and it's yeah. a good thing for South Carolina. I don't want this to go down over advice and consent whenever I offered a solution that said we'll give you advice and consent in the Senate. We have that prerogative constitutionally. But we, we don't need to go and try to get everything at one time right now and I've tried to remind colleagues of this. Right now, the House or the Senate doesn't confirm the commissioners or the executive director of the State Election Commission. And even under my amendment, we still confirm the election commissioners. That's a very big change. It's still we're moving the ball forward. And yeah. I'd rather get something here rather than nothing. I look at it as the Reagan doctrine. I'm not going to. I'm not going to walk away over getting 80 percent of what I want because I don't get 20 percent. And I think we all need to invoke the 11th commandment of Reagan right now and stop talking ill of our fellow Republicans to get this done. We all want the same thing, and that is secure elections for the people of our state. We can do it. Amen. And you're absolutely correct. You're in. You're in unanimous agreement apparently about 99 percent of the bill. So why would you let it fail? Uh, for this uh, little piece. One last thing I wanted to ask you about, Josh, real quick. We talked about this briefly. You were on the Palmetto Family Council, uh, Palmetto, Palmetto Family Matters podcast this week. You talked about uh, the budget uh, process this week. The Senate, of course, sent its uh, uh, version of the budget forward uh, this week. Interesting to see some things that were included, excluded. I think you had a budget proviso amendment or a budget pro- amendment that uh, defunded a certain program at MUSC. Um, what was that all about? Can you want to speak to that? Talk, talk about that well, a little there, bit. Well, there, yeah, there are two major amendments I got adopted in the state budget, and I'm very uh, proud of both of them because it's fighting against wokeism, and they're really related, Reese. One is I, and most people would be surprised to learn that the Medical University of South Carolina, MUSC, has a pediatric transgender clinic wherein they are a state-funded institution 
is aiding and and, and promoting really uh, gender reassignment for for kids for for, for yeah. minors. And and I I think this is reprehensible that we would use state money to fund this. I find it. I think it's child abuse, really, to take yeah. kids in elementary school and give them hormone replacement therapy because kids at that age don't know uh, enough about gender or sexuality to make these decisions. No. And, and so we, we offered an amendment that said uh, under the age of consent, which is age of sexual consent in our state, 16. So I said under 16, we're banning the state, Medford University, MUSC, from using any state tax money to assist in the gender reassignment of a, of a minor child. And, and I got that adopted, 28 to 13. I had two Republicans vote against it. They're, all Democrats voted against it. And the uh, vast majority of my colleagues voted for it. So we did adopt it the state budget. Uh, and, and I don't think that should be controversial. And even more so, Reese, I got an amendment adopted. The, uh, many libraries, many public libraries, people don't realize this stuff is happening even in our state. Many public libraries, certainly in my area, I'm sure it's probably statewide, had uh, had started carrying a few books in children's sections that were really sexually explicit. They were uh, had images of sex acts, full full drawings of genitals, and uh, talking about questioning your gender and how to have sex and how to engage in, uh, frankly, homosexual sex, heterosexual sex, everything else. And, and books that are marketed to five, six, seven year old kids. One book was actually marketed to four years four years old and up. And I thought I thought how in the world. Does this get put into children's sections at public libraries? So I wrote an amendment. We got it adopted, saying that we're going to that the state library is going to have to authorize and, and review any book that a county library wants to put into a children's section that may be sexually explicit in nature, and uh, and that you can't provide access to these these materials without explicit parental consent. Again, in a normal world, this would be non-controversial, fairly uh, common sense, and yet I have had the left in this state go lose their minds. Yeah, accuse, accuse me of burning books and. Hating books, and I'm actually an avid reader. Support academic freedom. I just don't think giving pornography to kids is a good idea. And apparently, these woke uh, library execs think it is. The State Library Association, Public Library Association, came out swinging against this amendment. I said, "Well, go ahead, pick a fight with the city senator because the the Senate uh, Finance Committee Chairman Harvey Peters is a great friend of mine and a great conservative leader." So go ahead, pick a fight with this, and then you'll find yourself having your budget splashed by thirty percent. Don't tell me, don't don't say I didn't tell you so. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It, it, it's insane. It is the very definition of insanity, Josh. And I'm going to ask you the following. We could do a whole show on this question. But how in the world did we get to the point as a society and as a culture where I or anybody could take their five year old to a gender reassignment clinic at any location, state funded or otherwise, and say, my five year old is a boy, but he wants to be a girl so we're going to reassign her gender. I mean, on what planet? How how on earth is that happening in the United States of America? Well, because what we've allowed is we've allowed this woke ideology, which which really is look. People don't like it when you put it this way, but this is reality. It's anti-God. It's and the country is founded on a pretty darn clear Judeo-Christian framework. We're not a theocracy. I'm not trying to make a theocracy. No, absolutely not. But. But we are a Judeo-Christian society, and this woke leftism is about rejecting that, whether it's rejecting capitalism, rejecting the pro-life ethos, rejecting sexual norms. It's all an anti-Judeo-Christian kind of movement, and they've normalized it by saying, if you don't agree with this, you're no better than a bull kind of racist in the 60s. This is very different than than bigotry. Racial bigotry is abhorrent and wrong. But what these folks have done is equate yeah. opposing sex changes for kids to opposing racial equality, and that's completely dishonest, absolutely deceitful. 
and yet somehow they're managing to convince a number of folks. But we're going to push back, Reese. I, I've decided uh, this is going to be the great cause of my tenure. We're going to reject this wokeism and protect kids in this state very Amen. much like Ron DeSantis has done in Florida. Amen. Amen. Uh, Josh, I'm so uh, encouraged to listen to you, the passion in your voice. This is a fight worth fighting, and, and we can't walk away uh, from this one. This is, I think, everything turns uh, on this moment. So any, any final thoughts you want to share with us, Josh? And we appreciate your time here on Saturday Morning Coffee this morning. Well, I just appreciate the chance to be with you. Shows like yours are important to get the truth out so we can hold on to South Carolina. We're a bastion of sanity in a sea of crazy, and we got to protect the great state of South Carolina. We'll do it together. Folks, uh, it's Josh Kimbrell, state senator, state senator for now from the uh, Spartanburg area. Josh, how can folks follow you on social media, or how can they get in touch? So Josh Kimbrell for Senate on Facebook is my primary page for what I'm working on, Josh Kimbrell for Senate. There's two websites also, both joshkimbrell.com and just joshkimbrell.com. And I'd love to stay in touch with folks down in Horry County. Excellent. Josh, thanks so much for all your hard work, and thanks for your time this morning. Take care. Well, God, God bless you. Take care, Reese. Folks, we'll be right back after these words from our sponsors with more Saturday Morning Coffee. That was Josh Kimbrell. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. And more coming up next on Talk 94.5. Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour on Talk 94.5. Now I'm losing the Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour, 839 on your Saturday morning. I want to thank Josh Kimbrell, Senator Josh Kimbrell, for uh, joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee this morning. What an informative interview. I mean, yeah. I'm, every once in a while, uh, Glenn, somebody tells me something, and I think to myself, you know, just pass me the applesauce and let me <laughs> off the planet. Just let me off the planet. And, and when he said that uh, there's a gender reassignment clinic in Charleston yeah. and that they're doing these gender reassignments on five, six young children. I'm thinking to myself, I never thought I'd live to see a day when that sort of activity procedure, I, I, I hate to call it medicine, yeah. but where that sort of activity is normal and, and being done routinely in, in South Carolina. Of I, all believe, places. I believe that uh, India had a problem with that in yeah. the past and we, we we did not like that. We no, I remember it, out being people being outspoken for India. So there is so much going on in the world today, and as as Josh referenced, I think all of this has to do with a with just a full frontal assault on the Judeo Christian foundations of our civilization, of our country, of our heritage, of our culture. Uh, it it all rests on those underpinnings, yeah. and there are people who have decided. Now nah, we just don't like that. We're going to play by our own rules, and we're going to have to we're going to have to break all this down and sweep it away. And it really is it would amount to the destruction of this country as we know it. Yeah. It's really what the ultimate end game, the natural extension of all that would be. 
But I want to thank Josh for joining us here on the show. Always enjoy hearing from him. We will post uh, on the election integrity measure, we will post numbers for House leadership, for Senate leadership on the Saturday Morning Coffee social media pages. Y'all are encouraged to get in touch. Uh, Leave them a message. Send them an email. Let them know you want the Senate and the House to put their heads together and get election integrity done in South Carolina. As Senator Kimbrell advised, we're ahead of the game a little bit. We're not at the back of the pack. South Carolina is is in the top 10. We're one of the more secure states. But all these measures that they're implementing, uh, prohibiting third-party money, uh, prohibiting ballot harvesting, requiring witness information on absentee ballots, limiting the amount uh, or limiting the number of reasons for which you can post or, or place an absentee ballot, all these valid, valid reforms that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, this would take us from uh, the, top, the, the top third to, you know, as Josh said, the top two or three states in terms of election security and integrity. Mm-hmm. So we need this bill, and they've been working on it for uh, at least a full session, if not a session and a half. So we need this bill. This business about advice and consent is just a little more than window dressing. The substantive bill is something they all agree on. So encourage y'all to get in touch with your senator and House leadership and Senate leadership. Let them know that you want uh, this bill to be signed by Governor McMaster this session. Right now, though, we're going to switch gears. We are going to talk about, speaking of uh, gender uh, reassignment and and the craziness that the world has come to, you know, we follow uh, activities at the Supreme Court recently on this show, and we talk about them often. Recently, we had a, we were blessed with a great victory the, uh, in the case of uh, um, Meriwether versus Shawnee State uh, University. And that case was uh, in, argued by, among other folks, uh, the gentleman who joins us here on the program as our next guest, Tyson Langhofer, is an attorney with the Alliance Defending Freedom. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Meriwether uh, decision, the victory in that case. Tyson, thanks for joining us here on Saturday Morning Coffee. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, tell folks who may not know, we talk about Alliance Defending Freedom on this program fairly often, uh, Tyson, but for folks who may be listening who may not be familiar with what ADF is, tell folks a little bit about ADF and what its mission is. Yeah, we're a uh, religious liberty and First Amendment law firm that uh, you know is designed to protect uh, life from conception to natural death, to protect uh, marriage and family, to protect free speech, to protect the rights of conscience. And, and parental rights as well. And so I, I lead the Center for Academic Freedom, where we where we stand up for the rights of students and faculty at public universities and K-12 schools so that, that everyone can freely participate in the marketplace of ideas. And, of course, in one of those cases uh, involved uh, Dr. Merriweather, who was a professor, I believe, at Shawnee State uh, University. And uh, in 2018, uh, he had a student, a male student, who had self-identified as a woman and directed uh, Dr. Uh, Merriweather to refer to him as a woman. Uh, Dr. Merriweather offered to use whatever name the student preferred uh, and to avoid using titles and pronouns entirely, uh, but that was not sufficient. And the school uh, ordered him to uh, use the gender pronouns of the student's selection, even though that that (laughs) defied... Uh, reality in Dr. Merriweather's opinion. How did how did that case evolve? And and tell us a little bit about how it's been resolved. Sure. So Dr. Merriweather's been a professor of philosophy and religion for more than 25 years at Shawnee State. He had a great reputation there. It had never had any problems, and the students really loved him. 
Uh, and as you said, back in 2018, um, a male student came up to him after class um, and said, I want you to refer to me as a female. And Dr. Merriweather said, well, I don't think I can do that, but you know, I'll, I'll use whatever name you want and just avoid pronouns. Initially, that was um, sufficient, um, but the student complained and the university decided to conduct an investigation and they eventually found that he had created a hostile environment. Now, the problem with that is the student remained in class the entire time and received a good grade, participated just as well as anybody else did. The only distinction was that Dr. Merriweather avoided the use of pronouns for this student because the student requested that. Dr. Merriweather you know, has a Socratic method of teaching, and so he engages in this conversation, um, and uh, he uses uh, names and titles to do so. Uh, so the university punished him um, and said, if you continue to do this, this practice, you will be further punished uh, up to suspension and expulsion. So Dr. Merriweather had to cha- challenge that policy. And we filed a, a lawsuit in Southern District of Ohio, um, and we uh, challenged the, the policy based upon the free, free exercise of religion and free speech. And, and what's the significance? It's interesting to me, Tyson, I don't know if you've heard any of the other show, but we've been talking about disinformation and the government now has a DHS uh, uh, council on <laughs> combating disinformation. Yet we know the government has been involved for many years in propagating uh, disinformation and not not acting to suppress disinformation when they know it exists and, and various things. I, this is all about truth, right? This is what what's Help me understand. I mean, help folks understand what is the significance of forcing you or me or anybody, a college professor in this instance, to call somebody one thing when we all know there's something else? Absolutely. It's about the truth. I mean, one of the things that's really telling here is Dr. Merriweather, uh, he taught, teaches from an Aristotelian um, philosophic method, and he talks about being able to discover truth. And that was why it's so important to him. He says, look, if they can force me to say something untrue, I'm, I'm conveying to my students that, it's, that, you know, that this philosophy is not true, that, I, that we can't discover truth, that there's not something known as truth. Amen. And, and if they will, there is if no they truth. Will, yeah. That's right. And, and if they can tell me uh, not to use this pronoun, that also means that we can't, I can't have a fulsome discussion about what it means to be a man or a woman. What, is it, what does it mean to be human? And, um, and so this was a, a core key component. This was never about anything that Dr. Merriweather said or did, only about what the university was demanding he say. Compelling and him Dr. to do. Merriweather, yeah. uh, absolutely. And, and Dr. Merriweather, you know, was punished for something, for, for not saying something that he believed was untrue. And so you're absolutely right that the, the core of this is truth. And, and what people don't really understand is whether you agree with Dr. Merriweather or not, if the government can compel you to say something you believe is untrue, that is a power that is unlimited. Yeah. And, and we can never, we can never cha- you know, challenge or come to a, 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 a good conclusion about all of the problems we're facing, whether it be gender identity, whether it be you know, climate change, whether it be any of these big issues we're facing, we cannot allow the government to tell professors what they can and cannot say in the pursuit of truth. And that's really what this was about. So thankfully, the Sixth Circuit overruled the district court and held that Dr. Merriweather, that, that universities, public universities, cannot compel professors to, to um, speak messages they disagree with. And after that ruling of the Sixth Circuit, thankfully, the university 
uh, recognized uh, what was happening, and they and they reached a resolution where Dr. Merriweather they've agreed they cannot compel him to use pronouns uh, when referring to uh, you know that are different than biological sex when referring to students. So so Dr. Merriweather has his job, and I and I believe I misspoke earlier. I mentioned Supreme Court. It's not Supreme Court, as you said. It's the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is a federal court of appeals between the district court and the Supreme Court. That's right, yeah. and and it's the first circuit court to address this this specific issue, and it, and and it held very specifically that, um, you know that the the government would wield alarming power if it could compel people to do this. It said it could it could compel a civil rights icon to decry the freedom riders. Yeah. It could compel a believer to say that there is no God if they have that kind of power. And so this is a win for all professors, not just professors who believe like uh, Dr. Merriweather, and it's a win for all students because we cannot. We cannot overcome these huge problems and these, these these challenges that face us if we're stifling the pursuit of truth. Amen. Well, Tyson, we're running short on time. If folks want to follow your efforts or the efforts of ADF, how can they how can they follow ADF online or on social media? Yeah, they can go to adflegal.org, adflegal.org. You can learn about all the different types of work we do. We're also on on Facebook and and uh, Twitter uh, at, at ADF Legal. Um, and so well, thanks so much for having me on. Amen. Thank you, Tyson, for all the work that you do. Folks who listen to the show know that I'm an ADF allied attorney, and we're actually working together on a, on a couple of things now. We so are. always great to talk with you, Tyson. Come back on the show anytime. We'd love to. Thanks, Reed. Thank you. Take care. Folks, it's Tyson Langhofer with Alliance Defending Freedom, and we'll be right back after these words with some parting wisdom after a couple of important obscene profit breaks. We'll be right back. Stick with us. I'm Reese Boyd. Don't leave town. Saturday morning coffee. Call the show at 843-903-2945. The Reese Boyd Radio Hour returns after these on Talk 94.5. You're listening to the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. Saturday morning coffee on Talk 94.5. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to Saturday Morning Coffee, the Reese Boyd Radio Hour. You've done it again. You've spent another two glorious, fun-filled hours with your humble host here on Saturday Morning Coffee. I want to thank Josh Kimbrell and Tyson Langhofer for joining us here on the show. What important work both of those two individuals are doing, and I thank them for uh, sharing their valuable time with us. And I encourage you guys uh, to follow Alliance Defending Freedom and support the work that ADF is doing. It's uh, incredibly important. want to remind you one last time, guys, we didn't have time to deal with it on the show today, but we are giving away today special treat for our Saturday morning coffee listeners, giving away two tickets to the Jimmy Buffett concert this evening in Charlotte. So if you can go to uh, the Jimmy Buffett concert at the PNC Music Pavilion in Charlotte this evening, uh, 8 o'clock is when it starts. Send us an email, SMC at gmail.com. We've, quite a few emails have come in during the show. We're going to be printing those out. I'm going to let my daughter uh, draw one out of the hat, and we'll be emailing one of you this morning as soon as we uh, get that done. So if you want to join the uh, contest sometime between now and 10 a.m., send an email to SMC 
at gmail.com. Say, I want my Jimmy Buffett tickets. They're good tickets, by the way. It's a real tragedy that Glenn or I, yeah. neither one, can yeah. use them. But Transportation and hotel accommodations yeah. not included. Transportation, you, Bob. transportation and hotel mm-hmm. uh, accommodations not included. <laughs> These are tickets only, but they are good tickets. Yeah. So if you want to go send your email to smc at gmail.com, and we'll get back to you this morning. It is, of course, the parting wisdom segment of Saturday Morning Coffee, where we try to leave you with uh, some final wisdom that we'd like to impart with you. This from the Dear Next Generation column in the Epoch Times, uh, a column where Epoch Times tries to impart a little wisdom to our young people, advice from our readers to our young people. This one entitled, Life is Wonderful. We heard one time that life is like a coin. We can spend it any way we want, but we can only spend it once. If life is like a coin, it must, like a coin, have two sides. How could it have two sides, you ask? Well, the answer is that life has many sides. It has a good side and a a bad side. It has an easy side and a hard side, a happy side, a sad side. Of course, that list is practically endless. The point is that it is our privilege, our opportunity, and our responsibility to use each day wisely, to spend that coin in the wisest manner possible, to spend each day that God has given you in the best way and the most beneficial way that you possibly can, both for yourself and for others. Folks, that's another edition of Saturday Morning Coffee in the Can. Let me leave you with this bit of parting wisdom from the Proverbs, the only source of true wisdom. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. That's Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Y'all have a great rest of the weekend. Be blessed and we'll see you next week for more Saturday Morning Coffee.